After losing a loved one due to a delayed melanoma diagnosis, our next guest is on a mission to improve the lives of millions by providing non-invasive precision dermatology solutions that enable individualized care. Dr. John Doback, CEO of DermTech, joins us to discuss how he and his team are creating a new category of medicine, precision dermatology, enabled by its non-invasive skin genomics platform. Join us to discover why and how Dr. Doback and the DermTech team are revolutionizing melanoma detection. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Doback, welcome to our podcast. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, given your personal experience of losing someone in your life because of a delayed melanoma diagnosis and your determination to stop deaths from this disease, I'm grateful to have this important and needed conversation. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, John, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the DermTech team are revolutionizing melanoma detection. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Well, it's great. There are so many big ideas in healthcare, and healthcare needs those big ideas. What I always say is small steps lead to big changes in medicine. And why do I say that? It's great to have big goals, but medicine is a very challenging area. They're very resistant to change. Things move at a glacial pace. So it's important you break down that big goal into some measurable smaller goals, and you track those along the way. One, you're going to be more successful with your potential customers in healthcare because you're going to bring more incremental solutions to them along the way to your big giant goal. And it's going to help you with your own sanity. You're going to see progress on the way to that big, huge goal because it's a challenge. There's a lot of status quo bias in medicine. You got to overcome that and you got to break your big goal down into smaller goals and make sure you hit those small goals all along the way to your big giant goal. I absolutely love that, John. And I know this is going to tee us up for a heck of a conversation today. You and the DermTech team had now been at it for almost 10 years. You talk about going after big, audacious goals, but taking those steps day in and day out, now approaching a decade with the company. And I bet, as I know you're a serial entrepreneur, I bet in your mind, you probably say, we're just getting going kind of thing, right? That's the mindset we have to have. But you're right, John, this is such a complex industry. There's multiple sides to it. It's not just one side or another. There's multiple sides, including government, payer side, the consumer providers like yourself and others. It's a very complex industry. And to your point, you can have these big goals to taking those small steps along the way and being malleable and being ready for pivots and different parts of the journey that may need to be readjusted given the complexity of this industry. Has that been of help to help build DermTech as well? You know, absolutely. When I first got to DermTech, one of the first things that happened that was completely out of my control was the government decided to change how they pay for these tests. 
there was this old method of payment, which was called code stacking, and it kind of kept the whole molecular diagnostics business alive. And it was a way to get paid pretty early for your tests as you introduce them to the marketplace. And about a year into my journey here with Dermtech, they just kind of blew that whole thing up. And each test had to go through its own review process. And that was only not only sort of a setback for us in terms of just having to now navigate a more difficult payer environment, but it also from an investor perspective, right? Investors want to see your pathway to commercializing a product. And a big part of that is how the payers are going to come and reimburse you for the product. And that was a huge change. And it just, it slowed down the pace of investment in uh, new technologies and genomics in particular, and made it much more difficult for us to capitalize the company to be successful. Yeah. Exhibit A, right? Exactly the point. You have to be ready. You have to be nimble and take those small steps and pivot along the way to answer the call and moving healthcare forward. And John, I am really looking forward to this conversation. We have a lot to unpack and get into the weeds of what's happening at Dermtech and all the wonderful things happening in your camp. We're going to cover all of that after we get back from thinking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dr. John Doback, CEO of Dermtech. John, thank you so much again. You set the stage. You are 100% correct. Changing healthcare doesn't happen overnight. It's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. And it starts with those small steps. It starts taking every single day and the opportunity to move healthcare forward. It's those small steps that are going to get us over that finish line. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Dermtech approaching its 10 years mark, doing a lot of fabulous work. I love the world of genomics and what the potential that it has and what it can do for the health of our country and beyond. John, this is a little bit of a personal story for you as well. This journey of being the CEO and leading the charge at Dermtech, of course, as we said, didn't happen overnight. A little bit of a journey. Take us on that founder's journey. Take us on those early days. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit about what's happening today with the company, where you see things heading, how we can help you out, and we'll get out of here after that. But first, John, take us back to some of those early moments of Dermtech and the why and the ahas. Sure. I mean, for me, it started actually right out of medical school. I decided to take a very different path out of medicine. This was back in the 1990s when it was fairly uncommon for doctors to become entrepreneurs, especially right out of medical school. But I decided I wanted to have a different impact in medicine by trying to bring new technology to life. And so I ditched my plans to be a surgeon. That was probably a big shock to my family and decided to figure out how to become an entrepreneur. There was no playbook for it. Uh, I just kind of learned on the fly, so to speak, and tried to figure out how to raise capital and ultimately was able to start a company a few years after that that was developing a heart catheter to treat arrhythmias, a new way to do that using cryosurgical methods as opposed to the burning of the tissue with electricity that was being done to that point. 
So that got me started on my path. And I started several companies, primarily in the device world, although I did dip my toe into the pharmaceutical world. And I had some successes and some blowups, like all entrepreneurs in this area do. Sometimes clinical trials don't work out. Sometimes you get caught in a difficult financing environment and the company can't get capitalized. So I experienced all those things along the way. But in the late 2000s, around 2010, I got very interested in genomics. Genomics around 2000, at the turn of the millennium, there was a big hype about genomics, the sequencing of the genome, and there was a tremendous interest in genomics. But usually that initial hype never lives up to expectations, and there's a long period of consolidations after that initial kind of hype that it comes out. And that occurred from sort of the early 2000 to about 2010. And I thought we were kind of through that consolidation phase, but I also recognized that genomics was going to fundamentally change the way medicine was practiced. When I went to medical school, we talked about the art of medicine. It was about the patient understanding the signs and symptoms that a patient had and being able to come to a diagnosis. And really where medicine was moving was much more towards objectivity and science-based diagnostic information. And that's where genomics was going to come in. You know, disease impacts our body. It changes the way our genes are turned on and off. And that was going to be the future of how medicine was practiced, deciding what therapies to give, how to make more accurate diagnoses. So I was paying attention at that point. I had just finished up a gig at another startup that I had been involved with, turned the reins over to a new CEO who was going to commercialize that product and was looking for my next thing. And I think you mentioned this in your intro that I had an experience with a loved one that had a missed melanoma diagnosis. And unfortunately, that person succumbed to the disease. And I realized there was a real need for a better way to diagnose melanoma. And I really felt that genomics could solve that problem that we face, particularly if it could be done the way we do it with a non-invasive platform. And it just so happens in all of my thinking there, and, and but quite frankly, this challenge of early detection of melanoma, which is a big problem that we solve, had been a problem around since I was in medical school. Too many unnecessary surgical procedures, diagnoses coming too late when the disease had already spread, things like that. So it was a problem that was 40 years in the solving in the making that needed to be solved. And there happened to be a company here in town, Dermtech, that was just a few people. And they had, were playing around with a non-invasive approach and they really wanted some leadership and really wanted to get the whole thing off the ground. And they asked me if I would join them in this mission. And given my experience, particularly as it pertains to melanoma, I decided to jump on board. And there were just about four of us in the early days and just getting the thing off the ground, getting started, trying to figure out how to capitalize the company. And that was our first real slap in the face. We've been very successful raising capital over the years. And I just found that there was a dearth of interest in what we were doing. One, because I had assumed we were through that consolidation period with genomics, but that really wasn't the truth. The pendulum was still swinging back in the wrong direction, and there was still more consolidation to take place. And so investors were still kind of on the sidelines. We also then had that problem that I mentioned where they changed the coding the reimbursement strategy for these companies. And that created a lot of fear with investors. How would these tests ever get reimbursed? John, quick question. There's so many questions from that. I just want a quick question because I don't want to get lost. You mentioned consolidation and that time of where genomics was on its journey as a technology. Was a big part of it the cost per test at that time that scared away some of those investors or like the economics currently don't work? Was that part of it when you say consolidation? What do you mean by that? And as part of that, what the cost of testing was back then? It was really actually the clinical applications of genomics. They were just in their infancy in sort of that 2000, 2010 time period. 
just some fledgling real clinical applications outside of looking at hereditary changes that people might have in their genes is really finding those tests that could meaningfully change the diagnosis of a patient through what's happening at the genomic level. But some companies broke through, like Verisite, for example, they developed a test for improving the diagnosis of thyroid cancer. Genomic Health had a way to predict response to chemotherapy if you had breast cancer. Those early clinical applications were starting to occur, but there was really just a handful, and people were really waiting to see, was this going to blossom where genomics was going to be a day-in, day-out regular clinical tool at that time period? And there were cost issues. You're right on the money. It was very expensive to sequence genes that needed to come down. And local companies like Illumina did a fantastic job, obviously, enabling the whole area by bringing down the cost of running genomic analyses. And so that was really what I mean. You know, people were just, there was all this promise for these clinical applications that were going to find new drugs. And and all those things just took much longer and, and were much harder to kind of identify in those early years. So I thought that this platform, this non-invasive genomics platform, what DermTech does is we can collect a sample of skin with an adhesive patch. We call it the smart sticker. So it's totally non-invasive. It's a high-tech adhesive. It feels a lot like scotch tape, but trust me, to get it to work with all the downstream genomic processes took a lot of engineering. So we developed this platform so you can take a sample of skin non-invasively, and we can run a variety of genomics analyses from gene expression, which is done using PCR, to actual sequencing of the genome, which is looking at how the base pairs are ordered in your genome and finding mutations and things like that. So we could broadly apply it to many areas in dermatology. And the problem with dermatology is that it's basically a very, very subjective specialty. It relies on the doctor, the dermatologist, looking at the skin with the naked eye, trying to understand if a disease is present and what that exact disease might be. If they're uncertain, they have to do a surgical biopsy, cut into the skin, send that to the pathologist. Then the pathologist has to look with his naked eye, but it's using a microscope and has to make some decisions about what might be happening at the cellular level. And that subjectivity is very challenging when you're looking at the skin. A lot of things look the same under the microscope and to the naked eye. And so there's a lot of unnecessary surgical biopsies, a lot of inaccurate diagnoses, a lot of trial and error for treatment that occurs. And so we thought that we could really bring this objectivity, this accuracy, and this non-invasive approach with this platform we were developing. And that was our fundamental value proposition. Now, what was our first application? We said, hey, we really need to look at melanoma diagnosis. It's a very deadly cancer. It's the one cancer that a patient in dermatology can get that is really deadly, and it's extremely difficult to diagnose. One statistic, a dermatologist will biopsy between 25 and 30 negative or benign lesions to find one melanoma. That's a lot of unnecessary cutting. So in the U.S., there are about four to four and a half million surgical diagnostic procedures for melanoma in the U.S. to find about 200,000 of these cancers. Very inefficient. At the other end, we thought by having a non-invasive way to assess if a mole is truly at risk for melanoma, that right there, just solving that issue of unnecessary surgical burden would be a big solution. The other problem that you have is that the pathologic diagnosis of early melanoma when the doctor is looking under the microscope is also very challenging. It's actually very subtle changes occurring. And for early stage melanoma, the accuracy is very low. In some cases, melanoma in situ, it's almost a coin flip. They get it right about half the time. And if you give a pathologist the same slide that he looked at two weeks earlier, 
and you give them back to him and ask him to make his diagnosis, they'll flip the diagnosis entirely from malignant to benign or benign to malignant. So those are the challenges. And we really felt that this platform could help solve that. Just to tie that into my earlier story about the family member that had melanoma that was missed, basically, that person was an older man, and he was always in the dermatologist getting cut all the time for other non-melanoma skin cancers and worry about melanoma. He would get so many biopsies at any one session, the one lesion on his body, the mole that was actually melanoma, the doctor decided to kind of, I cut you enough today. You're fatigued. Let's go and look at this one in six months when you come back. Well, it turned out that was the one and that really needed to be biopsied and looked at or assessed. And that was the one that was an advanced melanoma by the time he came back. So we could also obviously make inroads to sort of situations like that that can occur. So John, I want to bring a couple other points that you brought up earlier and tie it all together what you just shared, right? That's powerful pitch in regards to what DermTech is and what you guys are solving for in the marketplace. But you said a couple of things that are very salient to where you are as a technology company. You mentioned one at the very beginning, the notion of orthodoxy, that we always are doing the same thing over and over again. And then you also mentioned, even from your own training, that we are going from doctors being this delivering care via art versus delivering care via science. So I got to ask you, put all that together. And when you're taking DermTech out to say a Dr. Mike, who's a dermatologist in Denver, Colorado, and he may be subscribing to orthodoxy. And John, you can't tell me that this piece of tape is going to be better than my trained eye. I've been doing this for 35 years, John. You can't tell me that that piece of tape is going to do a better job than I can. Did you run into that as a company? I got to think so. And if you did, how'd you overcome it? Boy, did we ever run into that. I would say just a few years ago, just mentioning the name DermTech to a dermatologist would light their hair on fire because they saw us as a true threat. Wow. And so this is the status quo we talk about in medicine. They train for a decade and they develop a skill. And that skill is basically primarily that subjective assessment. And so they're reluctant to think that the objectivity of a simple genomics platform could really enhance what they're doing. And so it's very challenging to overcome that. You overcome that one with good data, doing high quality studies, generating a lot of data and just showing them objectively that, look, if you compare the metrics of what you're doing now to what we offer, we essentially went out on every metric. Diagnostic tests have metrics like sensitivity, specificity, something called the negative predictive value. That's a key metric for us. We're ruling out melanoma, so we don't want to miss it. And the chance that our test misses it is less than 1%. And that's an important metric. Whereas the chance they can miss it with the current pathway is, is much higher. It's as high as 17%. So you have to win them over with data. That's clearly a part of that. But you need to overcome the status quo bias. It involves a lot of things. One, it involves exposure. So you have to get enough of their colleagues using the product so that those folks that are really threatened by the product, they're seeing that their colleagues are often adopting it. Along with my introduction about small steps for us, it was always, okay, let's just get five new users this month and let's get five the next month. Let's get 10 and just slowly build this until we can point to this gradual groundswell. That's part of it is getting that sort of peer influence involved. Trade shows and industry organizations where you make a, a good presence. People often have trouble quantifying the return on investment when you're going to spending a lot of money on marketing dollars at, for example, the annual meetings. So we had to start small and we just 
literally, we would set very small goals, tying it back into my earlier comment about small steps lead to big changes was, okay, let's just get five doctors. If we get those five doctors, we can refer other doctors to their experiences with those five doctors. We'll get 10 doctors the next month and gradually let it build from there and create that peer-to-peer exposure that's really important. We're fundamentally trying to break what's called the status quo bias, and there's important techniques. Exposure is an important part of breaking the status quo bias. Using the peers, as I mentioned, getting peers on board because we are all susceptible to peer pressure, if you will, and we like to do what our peers are doing. But going to the annual society meetings that companies that uh, specialties have, like for us, the American Academy of Dermatology, Some people question, is that type of investment worth it? But when you're overcoming the status quo, it can be very worth it because it tells all of your potential customers that, hey, this is a real technology. This is here. So making a splash, making an investment there can be critical. And the last thing when you're trying to fight that status quo bias is really tapping into loss aversion. We actually, as human beings, the way our brains work, we have a bigger emotional reaction to what we lose than to the things we gain. And when somebody has a new technology, they always want to try to highlight the features and benefits, why this is good for you. But sometimes you need to also tap in what they might lose by not adopting that product. For example, missing a melanoma or losing patients because patients want the non-invasive alternative. So it's important to tap into that loss aversion, which are some of the techniques we've done along the way as we try to get the dermatology community behind the test. Well, John, I'm a big fan of rooting those folks on that are bucking the status quo, that are helping push our industry forward, thinking anew. So let's give the hat tips where the hat tips are due. What's some of that feedback that you receive from some of those Derm Tech users? Of course, that can include patient testimonials. What's that feedback been from those providers that are implementing this technology? We've probably penetrated about a third of the 10,000 dermatologists out there. So we've really made a lot of progress there. We have some real passionate believers in the technology. What typically happens is when a doctor is using our test, they will often go ahead and biopsy the lesion, the mole on a patient's body that they believe is melanoma, that to them, this has got to be a melanoma. There's always other moles on a patient's body that look atypical that could be melanoma, that the doctor might say, let's bring you back in six months and look at those. But now what we'd say is, well, why don't you try DermTech on a couple of those lesions? What invariably happens is the one they were sure was melanoma turns out to be negative, but the one that the DermTech test called positive, that actually turns out to be the early stage melanoma. And that, of course, is when they become true believers. They recognize that this test using genomics can pick up things that they just can't see with their naked eye. So we hear those stories all the time. We also have stories where the pathologist would say, you know, I don't see melanoma in this. And our test was positive. The doctor then goes ahead and cuts the lesion out, sends it to the pathologist. The pathologist might say, you know, I can't see a melanoma in this. And the doctor will say, you know what, you need to take more slices. When a biopsy specimen gets sent to a pathologist, the pathologist only looks at 1% of the tissue. He takes a couple slices through it, and he's only looking at 1%. So if the cancer is not in his field of view where he took those very thin slices, he won't see it. So that we hear these stories where they say, go back and take a few more cuts. Sure enough, oh yeah, I see that. That's a benefit of our technology. Our patch samples the entire lesion, 100% of the lesion, because it covers the entire lesion. And the cells are moving up vertically through the skin. So we sample the entire lesion. So if the melanoma is over and sort of off on the edge where the pathologist might miss it, it can inform him that something's going on in this lesion. Those are important benefits. That's so exciting and so powerful. And what a great way to shine a light on these 
users, a third of the marketplace now using this incredibly, incredibly powerful. So John, of course, you know, as well as I do, I firmly believe we still have a long runway in front of us with the world of genomics and what it means to healthcare, what it means to precision medicine or otherwise. Where do you and the DermTech see things heading in this space? And then of course, where's DermTech going in the next 12, 24 to 36 months as well? Well, I mean, in general, there's a theme now. Most of cancer care is focused on late stage treatment. And there are some fantastic things that are happening with late stage treatment. Immuno-oncology, they call it, where we're using our body's own immune system to attack cancer when it's spread throughout the body. Those are important leaps and bounds, but you're still treating a patient after the disease has taken hold and has actually spread into the body. I think where cancer care is going to go increasingly in the future is early detection, because when you find things early, they're much easier to treat. It's local treatment. It's not systemic treatment. And so I think you're going to see more and more application of genomics that are going to change the way cancer is detected early. For example, that Cologuard test, people probably see those ads. That's a very non-invasive, simple way without having a colonoscopy to understand if you have a risk for colon cancer. So I think that's going to be a move. I think you're going to see even further out looking at precancer. What are precancerous changes that are occurring and the risk they imply and how can we treat precancerous changes? And some of that already occurs in dermatology. There are treatments to avoid getting non-melanoma skin cancer, the cancers that are due to sun exposure primarily, by treating and removing those, some of those cells that have picked up cancerous changes before they're actually visible at all. So there'll be pre-cancer diagnostic. There's also going to be blood-based tests that are going to look at a lot of different cancers in one simple blood draw, which is going to enhance the early detection of any cancer and the earliest potential treatment available. So those are the big changes. Another big area that genomics is going to apply that we're going to play into in the future is really understanding what treatments are going to be most effective for patients. Certainly in the world of cancer, that's already occurring. If you have a particular mutation in a cancer in your body, say a lung cancer, if you have a particular mutation, they can prescribe a specific drug that hits that type of cancer with that mutation and they're super effective. But there are many diseases where there are many different sort of pathways that get activated, if you will, that are causing the disease. And if you can define which is, so let's take a disease like atopic dermatitis. That's basically, it looks like a rash on your skin, but it can be caused by a number of different activation of inflammatory pathways in the skin. And if you can identify which inflammatory pathways actually turned on, you can have a targeted treatment for that particular condition, and you'll be able to treat it much more effectively. Right now, only about 30, maybe 40% of people might respond to those current drugs for that condition. But if you could identify exactly the pathway, you might get a much better responder rate. So we're working on that. We think that's a good future for us. There are other skin cancers that are very difficult to diagnose, like cutaneous T-cell lymphoma can take years to diagnose it. We think there's an opportunity there for us. Non-melanoma skin cancer we're working on, those often occur in the head, face, and neck, and so you don't want to cut unnecessarily on people's faces. So being able to identify if a cancer is present in those areas with those types of cancers is an important value proposition. So those are some of the things that we're working on in the future and in general, where genomics is going to take medicine. Well, thanks for that outlook, John. Really do appreciate it. But now let's bring it back to current state and let's go for the ask. You have an amazing community rally around this podcast. What's one problem need or question that you and the team at DermTech have that our community can be helping you guys with? The biggest challenge to all new technology are the payers or the insurance carriers. It's just a reality. They do not exist to bring new technology to life. And because medicine is paid by insurance carriers. It's we call third-party payer system. The only way new technology survives is by getting commercial payers to cover these tests. 
we're making a lot of progress there. We're covered by Medicare and some other large commercial carriers. We've got over 90 million covered lives in the U.S., but we really need to get north of 200 to make this really a viable technology that's widely available to all patients. And really to achieve that mission of ending death from melanoma, you have to have broad payer coverage. And so we're trying to get the patient's voice. Payers will listen to their constituents. Your listeners are basically the customers for insurance carriers. So we're setting up, you can come to our website. We've got a page there where you can sign basically a form letter that we will send to your insurance carrier that will give them notice that patients want this technology to treat this disease. And that would be very helpful for us. That's one way to activate that patient's voice in the process. We have an ambassador page where people who get our test, if your listeners get our test, they can share their story. And those can also be shared with payers. So I would really encourage you to help us by lifting, using your voice with your own insurance carriers to get this test covered, because that's the most critical thing for us to make sure this is widely available to everybody in the United States. Well, at the end of the day, we are all consumers and all patients of this industry, that is for sure. So a great call to action, John. And of course, definitely going to go check those resources out at your website and, and online. And so with that, how can our community get a hold of you? You mentioned the site. Where are some other avenues for our community to get a hold of you and the team, John? Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned the website, www.dermtech.com. That's where you can find our carrier page and our ambassador page, and you'll see that where you can help us with the payers. I'm active on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and mention the podcast and be happy to help fellow entrepreneurs. That's another passion of mine. I think it's so important to bring up the next generation of entrepreneurs and to solve the challenges we have in medicine and healthcare. So I'm always eager to uh, give some guidance where I can. Easy enough. And for our community, just simply scroll down into your favorite podcast player in the episode notes. Those contact points for John and his team will be in there. Of course, you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for John's episode where you can also find those contact points and leave some comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise, again, over at our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. All right, John, we're about to wrap this up. We have one more little piece for you. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because... Because we are changing dermatologic care with genomics, making it non-invasive and I love accurate. it. I love it. You certainly are, John. And like you said, it's one small step after another that's going to get us over that goal line. So thank you so much for joining up today, John, and sharing everything happening in your camp and everything going on within DermTech and all the wonderful and needed work as we continue to reimagine this industry that touches every single one of us. Again, John. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It was great to be here. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.